And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords. Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Thursday. To, What's up? Happy Thursday. I just want to point out my uh, earphones are not working for some reason. So there's a bit of a technical glitch. Similar uh, to the Nuri on the first <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not quite sure. Away, yeah. Uh, please understand. Um, yeah. You're a little bit echoey, but we'll deal with it. Is it fair for us to compare this to the failure to launch? <laughs> Not really, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, and apologies for the poor sound quality if it does sound a bit poor. But uh, yeah, I just found out it's not really working. So uh, I'll do the best I can. The beauty of a live show, folks, in case you guys weren't all caught up, now you are. And speaking of which, I know you tried to make a smooth segue there. Sorry for bursting your bubble there. <laughs> uh, we, we do have a dedicated Space News segment, and our go-to correspondent always tells us that space is hard. And I might need to come up with a better catchphrase because I've overused it on the program. However, it's still true. And when launches are delayed for a number of different reasons, technically, Technical glitches being one of them, it raises red flags, but perhaps better safe than sorry, considering how massively expensive these technologies are. So let's start there. This is our first keyword of the day. Nuri delay. So the third launch of the Nuri space rocket has been postponed because of network failures that occurred during the launch preparation process. What's the latest? Um, do we have further analysis or does that require a little bit more time? Yeah, it does require a little bit more time. So I have to wait uh, in the morning uh, today and uh, see how the talks uh, from the organizers play out. Now, the launch was called off two hours before the planned liftoff of 6.24 p.m. Uh, yesterday. Uh, they only found out they had an issue uh, at about two hours before launch, so about 3 p.m. Uh, yesterday afternoon. Now, Vice Science Minister Otetang said engineers found a network error occurred between the launch control computer and the launch pad facility control computer while controlling the low temperature helium supply valve. I know that's a lot of jargon, but basically there was a, a communication issue. Now, the ministry said the issue does not directly involve the rocket itself. So it's more of a, uh, in what, in the tech world, that we call a software problem rather than a hardware problem. Now, the technical issue uh, was found not found actually during the pre-launch check, hence why it was called off uh, last minute. So now, if the technical issue is resolved by this morning, the launch actually may be rescheduled to 6.24 p.m. tonight. So, so the launch management committee uh, will hold discussions on the matter today. Uh, the rocket will remain erected at the launch pad until a decision um, is made. Uh, now, the second Nuri launch was delayed twice in June uh, last year. So it's not the first time that a, a delay has occurred. These are quite common occurrence when it comes to launching space rockets, not just here in Korea, but uh, space powerhouses like the US um, as well. Now, last year's launch was, of course, uh, delay was due to uh, weather conditions and issues with the launch uh, vehicle. At that time, the rocket had to be taken off the launch pad and returned to its assembly building for inspection uh, due to a problem with the sensor. That's not the case this time round. Uh, this problem was with a network system, as I said. So it's a hard, it's a software, not a hardware mm. problem. Uh, so there's no need to take the money off the launch pad. So. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we could see a launch uh, being um, done today. 
Uh, but we'll have to see what the uh, analysis and how the committee will discuss the matter. Okay, so we're still waiting on that morning sit-down. And of course, we'll have updates by tomorrow morning. Let's move on to our second keyword of the day. Illegal rallies. So the government and the ruling People Power Party have agreed to consider banning rallies by organizations with criminal reports and also outlawing at certain hours of the day. This has sparked outrage from the opposition party, as we mentioned in a headline, DP Chief Lee Jae-myung, calling it unconstitutional. That's right. So the government and the PPP, uh, they held talks yesterday. They agreed that a more thorough response was necessary to what they're calling illegal rallies. Now, the PPP floor leader, uh, Yoon Jae-yong, said they agree on the need to enact a new law that restricts such gatherings on major streets during rush hour, as well as overnight demonstrations between midnight and 6 a.m. And he said that a regulation on noise that disturbs the peace was suggested for inclusion proposing a reduction in allowable decibel levels at approximately 5 to 10 decibels. Uh, They also considered the need to revise police manuals to help them better deal with illegalities happening during rallies. Now, all of this uh, comes after President Yoon's criticism of a particular Labour group for staging an overnight rally in downtown Seoul last week in protest uh, of the government's Labour policies. Uh, There are about 25,000 union members who participated in that rally and they were said to have caused significant traffic congestion uh, and resulted in about 80 noise complaints being filed with the police. Uh, Others also complained of protesters uh, drinking and urinating on the streets as well. Now, you noted that the ban will not be implemented solely based on an organization having a record of unlawful acts. Other factors, such as the organization's choice of time, a location uh, for its past rallies, will also be taken into consideration. Of course, the DP is not happy. Uh, its chief, E. J. Myung, said the plans clearly violate the spirit of the constitution and that any attempt to limit the freedom of assembly is an assault on democracy. Uh, and similar criticisms came from the labor unions as well. Um, now, meanwhile, later uh, on the same day yesterday, the DP and the Justice Party referred a contentious pro-Labour bill for a vote to a uh, national, uh, national Assembly plenary session. Uh, the bill is better known as the Yellow Envelope Bill, and it guarantees the bargaining rights of subcontractors and limits litigation for damages against unionised workers. This makes it basically difficult for companies to take legal action against workers for participating uh, in illegal strikes. Now, even if the bill is approved during this plenary session, it still does face a potential veto by uh, President Yoon. Um, Vetoed bills return to the National Assembly where a two-thirds vote is required Mm. uh, to override the veto. And yes, the DP does have a majority Uh, But in this case, if it does want uh, the bill to be vetoed, it does require some participants from the PPP as well. We saw this happening uh, with a previous bill uh, in the National Assembly as well. Um, But uh, yeah, so there you have it. It's been a very contentious issue, these strikes, Mm -hmm. uh, ever since. Um, President Yoon has tried, uh, vowed to kind of crack down on these illegal rallies that are happening, mm-hmm. uh, not just in Seoul, but across the nation as well. All right. So, of course, it, in, in President Yoon's words, it's to tackle uh, illegal protests, as you roughly point out. But uh, the back and forth has been really noisy. It's a sticking point for, it seems, all affiliated political parties. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. And we'll have updates for you tomorrow, hopefully. Now, let's turn our attention to our third keyword of the day. 
Inspection over. So we're taking you back to Fukushima, where the ongoing wastewater inspection itself seems to be over. The Korean team of experts visiting the crippled nuclear power plant has completed their two-day on-site inspection. So what did they find, preliminarily, that is, at least? Right. Well, we don't know too many details so far. We only really know what they uh, examined and inspected. And uh, they examined the plant's custom purification system known as ALPS uh, and facilities related to what's known as the K4 tanks, which are basically designed to store and conduct measurements of radioactive substances. Now, yesterday, they visited a nuclide analysis facility uh, and examined the seawater dilution system and discharge facilities, including uh, pumps, uh, their capacity and how they function. Now, Yuguki, the person who heads the team, told reporters that this team will likely be able to make progress in terms of assessing the safety of the water. He said they examined all the facilities they wanted to see, but he added that they need to engage in additional analysis of their function and role. And he didn't say whether the findings were sufficient uh, to reach a conclusion. Now, you said the team in particular closely examined the blocking valves that are used when an anomaly is found before mm. the out treatment. Uh, the team also received data on the nuclide concentration levels in the radioactive water before and after the ALPS treatment uh, to analyze later. Now, you said the team was not able to independently collect water samples, something that was expected, but was anal analyzing those collected earlier by the International Atomic Energy Agency. Now, when asked whether the current government will disclose its safety assessment before the IAEA releases its final report on the safety of the water, you said the team has been reviewing the contaminated water separately, and he added that the team needed to consult the IAEA's assessment adding there is also a Korean expert taking part in the IAEA's review. So basically, it seems like the Korean government doesn't want to have any conflicting analysis or uh, assessment of that review, especially because there is a Korean expert uh, on board as well. Now, the IAEA uh, reportedly plans to release its own report next month. Uh, the top office also said that it would make a judgment on the water discharge plan based on the analysis of that report. Now, Meanwhile, the foreign minister, Pak Jin, he was being grilled in parliament and he dismissed criticism that the inspection was uh, limited and basically a mere formality. He told the National Assembly's uh, Foreign Policy Committee that experts are thoroughly examining the facilities uh, as well as addressing all issues of concern with the Japanese authorities and obtaining scientific data. All right. With that, we move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Rate freeze likely. So the Bank of Korea is likely to maintain the current base interest rate at today's rate-setting meeting amid waning inflation and a sluggish economy. What's the latest on this front, Adam? Yeah, so pretty much the same as what I said uh, yesterday. But uh, yes, the BOK is focusing more on the economy now rather than inflation because it's certainly inflation has shown signs of waning somewhat but also it is quite high still but the market expects the central bank to maintain the key rate at three and a half percent now if realized it would be the third consecutive rate freeze uh, as i said inflation has been coming down in mm -hmm. korea uh, but the slow economy is seems to be the focal point of the central bank at the moment now though the economy has been showing signs of recovery it does continue to remain uh, sluggish, mainly due to weak exports. Now, Korea also has uh, recorded a trade deficit for the 14th uh, straight month uh, as of April. 
Uh, however, the rate gap between Korea and the U.S. remains a concern for the BOK. The gap has widened to an unprecedented figure of 1.75 percentage points. Now, if the Fed further raises the key rate by another 25 basis points next month, that gap will, of course, widen to two percentage points. But what to say mm. that's unlikely? The Fed has kind of hinted that it's going to stay pat uh, on the rate uh, at its next meeting, but we'll have to see what happens. Now, with the BOK likely to freeze the base rates again, eyes are on when the central bank will start actually cutting rates uh, if uh, in the near future. But the BOK chief, Yi Chang Yo, has previously stressed that it is still too early to discuss a rate cut for the moment. So it seems like the easing of the monetary tightening is only limited to a rate freeze for the moment. Uh, so it is a bit premature to discuss uh, a possible uh, rate cut. So we'll have mm. to see. And we move on to our final keyword of the day. Tips Act Investments. So the U.S. Congressional Research Service has pointed out that investment support under the U.S. Chips Act is low compared to East Asian countries, including Korea, Taiwan and China. So can you tell us the details of this report? Right. So the CRS uh, said in its report that while the U.S. government's support for business as a result of the CHIPS Act is very large by historical and international standards, it is small compared to the support and investment currently provided uh, by governments in other countries. And it added that this is also small compared to the amount of U.S. and foreign semiconductor companies investing in the U.S. or internationally on their own. Uh, mm -hmm. And it noted that according to the Korea Semiconductor Business Association in 2021, uh, Korea will see $450 billion in investment by the year 2030. Now, the report added that East Asia is the center of the world's competitive semiconductor industry. It noted that the U.S. still relies on Taiwan for system semiconductors and Korea for memory chips. Now, the report also stated that large-scale Public investment in semiconductor facilities has nurtured Korean and Taiwanese companies and strengthened their competitiveness against U.S. companies. Now, the Taiwanese government, for example, provides subsidies and tax incentives for manufacturing facilities, including 50% for land costs and 45% for construction and equipment and 25% for semiconductor uh, production. Korea and Singapore are also strengthening their competitiveness by reducing facility costs by 25 to 30 percent um, through semiconductor subsidies. Mm. So basically what this report is saying is that the U.S. CHIPS Act isn't going to be as benefic uh, beneficial to the U.S. as initially hoped. It's saying that countries like Korea uh, and Taiwan and Singapore and uh, China they're doing just as much to mm. spruce up their chip industry and market. Uh, so they're basically saying that the CHIPS Act isn't as competitive as the systems and policies that uh, East Asian countries have at the moment. Does that mean that the U.S. CHIPS Act will go away or maybe make some con uh, concessions for Korean firms concerned? Mm. That's another question uh, to be answered. Uh, and talks are underway, of course, uh, related to that. No real concessions have been made so far, uh, but uh, yeah, there you have it. I mean, it's not as, according to the CRS, 
as uh, competitive or uh, beneficial as hoped. I don't know. I mean, I have just a few questions on the top of my head, like market size, for example. So is that a fair comparison, apples to oranges? But those are, uh, as you've raised, the questions we'll have to say for another day <laughs> when you have better connection. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. I'll get that fixed. I certainly will. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow, Adam. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.